and welcome to the 300th episode of the PC Perspective Podcast. Uh, we hope you enjoyed, well, if you're watching the video version, I hope you enjoyed the little uh, time lapse we included at the beginning. If you're listening to the audio version, we did not include that, obviously, because it's just music and you don't get the actual benefit of the time lapse. But if you go to our website, uh, you can watch the video version of it and you'll see a time lapse of the new set that we have, we have here. We have a wide shot. Uh, eventually, Alan will sit in this seat. I mean, I guess he. I guess I'll let him, but we'll see. Alan, uh, Alan, who is not Alan. here today. Alan's not here today, but I am joined by Jeremy Hellstrom, Josh Walrath, Maury Tidelman. Jo- we are joined by Josh Walrath with a slightly longer than normal delay tonight, thanks Just to his internet small. provider. <laughs> just slightly longer. Um, so this is our, our 300th episode. We do have a new background and set. Uh, you can see clearly I am no longer sitting in front of a gray painted wall. Instead, well, technically you are. I guess I am. Just There's something else in front of the wall now. Behind this set is the gray wall that we had before. Uh, this was This is all MDF you see behind us. Uh, M, uh, CNC laser cut. Uh, by a guy named Troy up in the Cincinnati area, a really super nice guy, designed by my buddy Joey, who did it all. We're gonna, uh, if you watch the video, you can see a little bit more intricate of what the design is. And we've got LED lights now that we can control colors on, but we're playing around with all that because we found flickering with cameras, and it's it's all very complicated. But um, I am super excited about this. I think uh, it looks. I think it looks great. We won't always have yellow colors behind me. Sometimes we'll go to purple-ish? What do you think about that? We can go purple-ish? Or go back to yellow-gold. You know, we, we might get crazy. Maybe we'll do red. Oh, maybe we'll do green. Can, can you do burnt umber? Uh, if you find me the RGB codes, we can probably do that. Yeah. But look them up real quick. I'm 0 to 255, name them out, and we'll, we'll get from there. So uh, it is our 300th episode. We are celebrating uh, a bunch of new stuff here. A, a lot of it is behind the scenes, Light setups, camera setups, all of it. Uh, I've placed more orders at Amazon, B&H Photo, FilmTools.com in the last 48 hours than I've ever, I feel like I ever have. So we still got a lot of stuff coming in to finalize, but we had to have this guy up before we could we could really do anything. So, uh, but let's let's talk about the podcast. Besides the fact that it's a new set, it is our 300th episode. Very special celebration in our hearts. Oh wait, on one of we think we'll try to get a hold of Alan. So Alan was actually supposed to be in this seat today uh for our 300th episode i don't know if i really consider that like a surprise get like like a good thing i don't know he's gonna be here uh but he's in the state of kentucky but they're not quite close enough to uh for him to be here but i told him i was gonna call him on uh, the phone to get an update and i figured uh we do this on the podcast and see how bad that screws up so we're gonna give we're gonna give alan a call here the first thing to screw up during the 300th podcast? The very first thing, because edit, yes. from an editing perspective, this is nothing has happened. Hello. Hey, Alan, you are on the 300th PC Perspective podcast. What do you think about that? Awesome. Uh, could you give us an update, please, on your current location in ETA? Uh, I am in Kentucky. Okay. That's, that's a state. Are, are you deep yeah, in the KY? Is, uh, oh, yeah, I'm not sure if it's private. 
Yeah. Only an hour and 45 minutes? No, 145 in the morning. Oh, oh, 145 <laughs> in the morning. Oh, I see. Okay, all right. That's that's more than an hour and 45 minutes from now. Yes, okay. Uh, well, uh, I'm not going to keep you on the phone because it's unsafe to talk on the phone while driving. So uh, I wanted to uh, – we wanted to check in and uh, I'll set the phone in the other seat that you would have occupied uh, just as a symbolic gesture um, that you should I be see, here. I see. Just, yeah. uh, you know, just, uh, just have Josh talk about motherboard CPUs for a while, and uh, I'll be there before he starts talking. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> we can do that. Thanks, Alan. Bye. All right. Cool. Okay, Ryan, you're going to need to put that phone in the chair and then bitch slap it out of it. <laughs> <laughs> I like my phone, so I, I, I think maybe I won't do that. Um, what else do we have? Uh, I remember we, we looked up. We were trying to figure out what can we do for the 300th episode. We're not really that creative-minded. So we looked back. What do we do for the 200th episode? And it turns out we like picked the story from the first episode, like the – 10th episode, the 50th, 100th, 150th episode, just to see how technology had changed. Uh, not really much has changed between the 250th and 300 episodes. It's only a year ago. But what about the 200th episode? Um, the GTX 690 came out at our 200th episode. That's still a pretty powerful video card. It's NVIDIA's only dual GPU card. They have not released a dual GPU card since uh, our 200th episode. And we're still episode. at 28 nanometers. Yeah, a hundred episodes ago. I'm gonna actually. I'm gonna email and people in a video that I want you to know that a hundred episodes of my show ago was the last time you actually announced a dual GPU graphics card. Um, this was that was also the last time we received a pry bar or crowbar from Nvidia, which we also did last week. So I'm seeing a little bit of symmetry here. Uh, they had just announced a GeForce Experience and uh, Trinity slides had leaked out. Um, I don't know if that's useful for anything, but. There you go. Do you guys have any fond memories of the last 100 episodes? Josh, do you have anything that really, really comes to mind? Um, I guess a couple of times I turned purple because I couldn't breathe. <laughs> from laughter, right? Not from somebody yeah, well, strangling yeah. you. Okay. <laughs> Something else. Uh, right, 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 right. Uh, how, about, how about you guys? Uh, Jeremy, anything, anything stick out from the last 100 episodes? Oy, hey. It's been a long, strange couple of years, hasn't it? It's hard to believe. It was. It was in. It was in May, right? Ken, that's what we looked yeah. at. The two hundredth episode was in May of twenty twelve, and that seems like How so about long sweet, ago. Sweet lemonade, didn't didn't we? Weren't we doing a lot of sweet sweet lemonade around that time? No, that would have been like no. twenty eleven. Eleven. Okay. Yeah, well, it was we, we even still were on ago. the Twit Network as well in twenty twelve uh, during our two hundredth episode. So, but I think Colleen had left by then. Yes, probably. So. Yeah, about yeah, the biggest thing motion. I guess is uh, our Indiegogo. That was impressive. Yeah, yeah. Well, that that was that was like around our 250th episode, yeah. I believe. So, it's uh, it's I don't know. 300 seems like an awfully lot of times to sit down and talk about this stuff. Um, I've 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 been here six years. How did that happen? I don't know. That's that's about 300 weeks. That's pretty close. I, I've been interning weeks. for four years here. Well, yeah, we He's used to do bi-weekly <laughs> podcasts, and I came in around, what, 30, 32? Yeah, and we used to, yeah, yeah, twice, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's been a long time. 
It's been a long time. Yeah. Maury, you're the new guy and you here. You have to always talk. Anyway. Maury, Maury, you're the new guy here. So uh, what stands out to you in the last 100 episodes? Think of something good. Uh, well, I started working for you. <laughs> there you go. See, and what could be greater than that? I think everybody's great joy is working at PC Perspective. I had to say it. I had to say it out loud. Um, all right, let's get into the stuff that actually happened this week, and uh, we'll we'll touch more on on the set stuff after the show's over. We'll talk a little bit about it. I'm sure some of you guys in the chat room will have questions. Uh, first and foremost, we do have a chat room, and we record the show live at pcper.com slash live. If you uh, go there when we record the show on Wednesdays at 10 p.m. Eastern or so, you can see funny things that happen that maybe you don't get to see in the edited, posted later version of the podcast, audio or video uh, versions of it to be sure. And if you can't remember when we go live and maybe you want to be reminded of special events that we have, like last week when JJ from ASUS was out here talking all about Z97 motherboards, if you go to pcper.com slash subscribe, you get this little page. And all we do is ask for your name and email address, and we send you reminders of when we're going to go live, uh, sometimes 20 minutes before, sometimes an hour before, sometimes the day before if it's a, if it's a unique and special event. We don't use it for anything else, so if you just go to pcper.com slash subscribe, give us your name and email. I promise that's all we use it for. Promise. Um, so let's get into reviews and stuff that happened. Maury, uh, it is now... We are now into our second review of a Z97 motherboard, this time the Gigabyte Z97X Gaming Black Edition. So uh, the, the first question I'm going to have for you is, what is the Gigabyte's designation of Black Edition? And then, do you like the motherboard? Okay, so funny you should ask. The Black Edition is a new addition to the Gigabyte Z97 line this year. Basically, it's a... Uh, they, it's not quite they it's almost um it's very similar to Asus's workstation line you know it's it's kind of one step up where they basically take existing SKUs and they kind of supercharge them you know they um, they don't necessarily change up the components but they do change up the heat sinks the coloration they also have a new validation criteria Okay, um, with this with this release, they set up a three thousand node validation lab where they run Litecoin mining, and uh, and they basically run that on every Black Edition board from the line for one hundred sixty eight hours, which is basically a week. Okay, um, and the Litecoin mining they're doing is both on the CPU and GPU. So these boards come out of the factory pre tested and pre-stress tested so you're basically guaranteed a working product a very nice working product um 168 they were kind of fuzzy on why they picked that number but it has something to do there's some significant uh, chinese significance to the number 168 that they wouldn't tell us they just uh, we asked and they kind of smiled and laughed it off but there's some you know, there's some, uh, some nice significance <laughs> to that it's some it's some kind of a lucky number in china or something I, i'm not positive about that though um, it also, also the black edition boards come with an enhanced warranty. You get five year warranty on those boards instead of the regular, uh, I think three years, yeah, I think maybe, three. um, what else also with the black edition, similar to how Asus does with their ROG line with black edition. When you buy a board and you register it online, you're, you become part of, you become a black edition member. 
what they said with the Black Edition membership, not only do you get the enhanced warranty, but you also they're going to do different things. You know, um, they're going to do giveaways. They're going to do special driver releases, all that kind of stuff. They also hinted, and this is just you know, this is speculation right now because they haven't come out with this yet. But they said they may actually come out with a Black Edition video card series. You know, that basically the video cards are testing with the boards. They may release those as well as Black Edition. Um, but that's, you know, right now the speculation because we don't know anything. You know, they, they haven't released anything about that. That's just based on what they, you know, what they were talking about in the, right. uh, in the uh, press meetings. Um, this board, though, I really, I really did like this board. It's with Gigabit. It's, the, um, it's one of the only, few boards of their line that has a PLX chip on it. Okay. Um, so it's uh, so all four slots. If you populate all four slots, it will do eight by eight by eight by eight. I think that's enough. Um, and it does support quad uh, quad SLI quad crossfire. Nice. Um, it's got the enhanced sound on it. This the interesting thing about this board with the sound on it is this actually has a Creative Labs sound chip on it. That sound blaster, the gold sound blaster uh, heatsink you see there, that's actually a creative, uh, creative sound uh, sound chipset. That's not a real tech chipset. Uh, it's got the Nishikon caps on it. Um, they also have uh, dedicated left and right uh, amplifiers uh, for and, and gain switches for uh, for one of the uh, outputs on the rear panel, especially for headphones. Uh, the audio on this board, this that board actually has some of the cleanest and nicest audio I have ever heard from a motherboard. Now, <laughs> you know, I'm not, you know, t- take that with a grain of salt. I'm not a, you know, I'm not a hardcore audio- audiophile. So, you know, yeah, someone either. with a $600 pair of phone, whatever, may say, oh, that's crap, you know. But, but based on my Razer Caraccius uh, uh, headphones and just doing normal gaming and listening to music and all that sound was very, very nice. Cool. What, um, on, so we, we mentioned the, the quad SLI and crossfire support. What other, if you had like one or two other features that you would name are kind of the, the, the keys to the, this particular board that make it stand out or different from either other gigabyte boards in the Z97 line or other vendors, Z97 boards, what would those one or two be? They enhance the cooling on the VRMs with this line. Um, the VRM uh, heatsink is actually a um, is actually a hybrid cooler. It, it is water capable and it's it's basically got a copper channel in the middle of it, so uh, you can actually attach barbs to it and attach into your water system. Unlike the previous generation, the actual water uh, the their threaded G quarter inch bar or three G quarter inch threaded inlets and outlets instead of having an actual barb. So you can put your own barb on there and integrate it into your existing thing without having to worry about sizing. Huh. Um, it's, that, that, that was a very nice touch because I actually I'm running the previous generation in my uh, current machine and there were uh, three-eighth inch barbs, you know, which yeah, that's not bad. That's pretty standard. But I run uh, half inch, either seven, seven sixteenths or half inch in my in my line. So I had to kind of do some magic with the uh, with the tubing to get to work. Right. Um, that's pretty cool. What else do they got? Yeah. Well, let's see. Um, they have what else? Do they have uh, they oh the the biggest thing with this board is they also this is a gaming line board. Okay, not only is this a black edition, but this is a part of their gaming line. The 
chipset cooler has their new gaming line insignia on it. It's a big, it's a big silver eye on the on the red the, uh, on the red chipset. Yep. Um, that's their new gaming logo. They're not they're not going with the, you know this this is new for the Z ninety seven line. This is something that they're trying to differentiate, create a gaming line. Yeah. Um, I think so. There's no more GI killer. <laughs> uh, no, no, there's no, they're, no, they're still coming out with the, they're still coming out with the G1 sniper, but oh. they're going with the eye. This is this is going to be their, yeah. this is going to be their gaming symbol. I, I want to say be that the, this eye logo was the same thing that we saw. What was the brand that they were creating for like a gaming notebook? Um, Aura. And I think it was the same eye logo. I'm not, I, I'm not 100 percent sure, uh, but it's funny you mentioned the uh, G1 killer and all that stuff. When we were there and we were talking with them about those products, uh, you know, they they basically said the days of having heat sinks shaped like guns and bullets are behind them. They they kind of worked that out of their system. They're going with something That's more good. subdued, a little bit more, uh, uh, profe- not I don't want to say professional looking, but mature and classy. classy. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, that one. So, so uh, Maury, I mean, I guess. Anything, what else stood about? Did anything in particular else stand about it? Performance, overclocking. Uh, you know, we talked about the audio quality. We talked about the the cooler on the um, uh, chipsets and power delivery. The BIOS is pretty much the same as we saw in the Z eighty seven lineup. The bio no, the BIOS is totally different. They oh. <laughs> they um, they totally redesigned their BIOS. They actually have what is it? Uh, they have three is it three. Yeah, they have three different bio, BIOS modes now. They have um, the they have what's called the startup guide, which is what you're seeing right now. Okay, that is basically a um, it's kind of an easy it's an easy mode BIOS where you can basically do anything through uh, you can do a most uh, basic setup through there that you can through the uh, menu system. They also have classic mode, which is just your you know your basically text driven mode, and then they have their uh, what is it they call it? The smart tweak mode, which in the previous generation it was called HD mode or windowed mode or something. Um, but uh, yeah. the they they did they did a lot of work in the BIOS. The BIOS is very smooth. It's you know there's no lag to the BIOS at all. It's not laggy. It's not jumpy. HD mode. I had a lot of problems with the Z87 line with HD mode. HD mode on this thing, I had no hiccups at all. It automatically went to uh, went to HD mode even through. A DVI to that's a ton of information on this page. Um, yeah, and there's there's a ton of information on that. That's actually the HD mode. Um, you can switch it between. You actually have a choice in in this in this generation of switching HD mode between either 1600 or 1200 width, which is nice. Uh, the previous generation, you were kind of stuck at um, 1920 by 1080 or whatever. Uh, let's see what else. Um, Oh, you can you can also change the language in the BIOS. the The BIOS supports up to nineteen languages, and when you change the language, it actually changes all screens. Uh, I prefer forward. to put mine in German and just guess at what I'm changing. Yeah, and all of the all of not... the settings are this long. We from Dachenberger schnacken cast latency. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> seems like a good prank to me. Yeah. Oh no. Um, That's interesting. But I mean, it's, it, you know, yeah, they they did they did a lot of work with the BIOS. It's I mean, they they really made a lot of improvements, and it's it's very. Uh, I mean, it's if you've used 
old Gigabyte BIOS is the Z87 line BIOS was it was a nice BIOS, but there were some inconsistencies with it. Mm-hmm. They did a lot of work with this BIOS and just shorted it up. You know, made it a lot more user friendly, a lot more usable, and you will notice difference if you have used previous generation Gigabyte BIOSes. Um, they don't hide. Uh, Gigabyte was one of those vendors that always hid settings. Um, and this was previously UEFI, UEFI implementations. They don't do that anymore. You can get to any setting you want. Um, it's it, it just the, the BIOS was just it was a nice smooth feeling, you know, a nice smooth feel and and just a joy to use. Cool. So, so what's what's the final takeaway from this board? Now that you have reviewed two of them, we don't have to do you know a direct comparison. We've got a lot more boards coming up uh, after this. I know we have like an MSI coming. And we have EVGA boards and other ASUS and Gigabyte boards as well. Um, what's what's kind of your initial takeaway from this particular gigabyte board, the uh, Z97X Gaming G1? Uh, I like I like this board. This board was you know was very nice to work with. There you know no real hiccups. Um, it you know it overclocked. The, the overclocking performance really isn't anything any different than the Z87 line, which is what we've what we've come to expect until yep. we actually see the new CPU SKUs in June. Maybe, yeah. I don't expect to see any differences, um, but you know, it's it just it was a it was a, it was a nice board. Um, now the price on it, you know, that that's something that kind of differentiates this as well. The price isn't too bad considering this is a flagship board. The price is currently at uh, somewhere around three forty nine, which most flagship boards are somewhere between four and five hundred dollars. Um, so that's another differentiator. You're getting a really nice board for not too steep of a price. And, you know, 349 yeah, if I had to spend it, I probably wouldn't be spending that. But right. um, but if you're going for a high-end board, you know, it's, it's, it is it's a deal. Interesting. Uh, let's see. Um, what else? No, I, I, think that, I think that's good. I, I, yeah. He has a lot more details in the review. If you go to, if you go to PCPro.com and look up the Gigabyte Z97X Gaming it's the uh, Gaming G1 Wi-Fi Black Edition motherboard review. We posted it on May 9th. And we have, uh, what's the next review coming up? We have an MSI. Gaming. The next review is an MSI Gaming 7 board. Okay. Uh, then uh, there's also, uh, there will be an Asus Sabertooth Z97, which right. that, that's a pretty nice looking board. Uh, we have uh-huh. a, uh, we have the, Z, uh, the Gigabyte Z97X SOC Force. Uh, the boards. Asus Z97WS and the Gigabyte <laughs> Z97X. Hey, Maury, your, your office is starting to look like mine. <laughs> you should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> yeah, well, Shame. yeah, it's it's uh, yeah. So the, the, all those will be coming out within the next couple of weeks. I haven't, I have, we haven't gotten the EVGA in. I think it's uh, in route. And yet, but it's, yeah, it's in route probably. So I'm not, I'm not too worried about that. Um, also, I have not seen any ROG boards yet. Those are probably in route as well. They so, be. no, I, I or else I'll be calling JJ. Not the oh. JJ. All right. Um, and I'm, I'm expecting ECS will probably drop us a board or two sometime in the next couple months as well. But we haven't seen anything from them yet. All so. right, Maury. Sounds like you got enough crap to keep you busy for a while. Yes, sir. Let's. How uh, do you think the Gigabyte go has gotten away with using Black Edition with on an Intel board? Without AMD being unhappy, you know we talked about that. Well, I mean, uh, who Asus, Asus already has a Black Edition, right? They have their like ROG Black Edition, which was like their super super high end overclocking board. I think those were the X seventy nines, weren't they? Yeah, Black Edition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 
obviously nobody has cop has has trademarked it or whatever. I don't know. Plus, you know, AMD motherboards. Um, they they need all the support and help they can get. Maybe somebody will get confused and buy an Athlon FX Black Edition and or uh, an AMD FX Black Edition. Everybody wins, except yeah. for the yeah, guy who's they'll installing. They'll be it. they'll be pleasantly surprised when they try to shove the chip yeah, in there. Just just huh. as long as all the pins touch, it's fine. How do pins go to an LGA? <laughs> Um, Why is this with pressure? <laughs> I, I finally need to posted them all off. Nine, all nine hundred and thirty-eight of them. <laughs> yeah, you just <laughs> or you flatten it and then you do it right. You got to keep the pins on, otherwise you can't make connections. Um, I posted up a uh, short little video rev- video and review of the Samsung U twenty eight D five ninety D. This is the twenty eight inch four K. Uh, single stream 60 hertz monitor that we've been talking about on the show for a couple of weeks. Uh, it is, it's a 28 inch panel. It's 4K. It's 60 hertz, and it's well. Here, let me let me go look at the actual price today because it, it's been quite variable. It was 693 dollars when I wrote it, and now it is. Oh no, it's 5.99. Oh, I paid so many more dollars than that. <laughs> oh, that makes. That makes that a better, much better deal, actually. Um, so this monitor is now five ninety nine. So for five hundred ninety nine dollars, you can get a twenty eight inch four K single stream monitor. And what does that mean? Uh, the single stream means it's not a tiled display. Uh, it's it's over. You got to use a DisplayPort one point two connection, which I think. Any any video card in the last couple of three four years at least is probably going to have DisplayPort 1.2, and anything that you're actually going to power 3840 by 2160 for gaming is going to have DisplayPort 1.2. If you remember back when we were when we looked at the ASUS PQ321, uh, that was a tile display, meaning that it actually over the DisplayPort cable it sent two streams, two 1920 by 2160 streams that it then output. Now the not a really big deal, except for configuration problems. You couldn't run that monitor at other resolutions. Uh, there were other concerns that were problematic. Also, that monitor is still $2,400. This is now $600. uses a single scaler internally, which means uh, you just plug it in and it works. You don't have to worry about, uh, was it configured correctly to get 60 hertz instead of 30 hertz? Um, does, does the video card see two separate monitors instead of one monitor? Those are the types of things that had happened in the past. Now, Technolo- so from a technology standpoint, good news there. It is a TN panel, but I think as Josh and Alan, who's not here, would attest to, these panels look better than your standard TN panels. They're not great, and if you watch our video and look at some of the pictures, I'll see if we have a picture that kind of showcases it right here. Um, this, is, this is a look at the vertical viewing angle with the camera kind of well above it, and you can kind of see the, the color shifting that you see in the middle of the Windows logo there. Um, there is definitely color shift, and there's definitely you know, if you're, if you're sitting very, very close to the monitor, issues where the, the corners are going to have um, slightly different brightness levels than the center of the monitor, uh, which those are traits of TN panels. But Josh, what, what's, I mean, do you agree that these have the ones you saw? I think you saw what Lenovo and Asus. Yeah, you could still see that they were not <clears throat> IPS or what, uh, XIGO. Yep. IGZO. IGZO. Yeah. Um, in that there was some shifting. You did not see 
a whole lot of uniformity across the screen. I mean, certainly the, the center looked not fine, but then you kind of notice things darkening up in the corners, like you mentioned. Uh, but the first couple of times you see it, you don't instantly recognize that it is a TN monitor as, uh, wow, I've, I've got one of my wife's, you know, first, what, 1680 by 1050 TN based monitors, and I fired that up the other day, and it's the, the horror, <laughs> the horror. Yeah, understood. but yeah, I mean, it, it, it doesn't it doesn't kill you to yeah. look at it. I think I think even especially considering the price that you're getting at here, uh, the value compared to like the the ASUS PQ three two one when it's configured and working, it's first of all it's four inches bigger, right? It's a thirty two inch monitor instead of twenty eight. It looks better than this panel, but it's still this still looks pretty good and for $599 which as I look back at my invoices is uh, $144 less than what I paid for this exact monitor to review it uh, that's pretty good other there's some other drawbacks other than the screen the stand is pretty crappy it's very uh, lightweight uh, the, the monitor kind of moves around a lot you know if you've got like a really kind of not stable desk situation that be, could become annoying uh, just and you said this one has no VESA mounts either yep, does it no 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 visa mounts on it at all uh, and you don't get um, you can do tilt up forward and back but this picture here is as far back as it tilts uh, so not very far and it doesn't do height adjustment and it doesn't do swivel right so if you want to swivel it you're swiveling the whole stand along with it um, and you can see here on the back, no Visa mounts. You do have two HDMI inputs, a display port, and then you've got audio out for headphones if you want to plug your headphones in there, if you're getting audio in through HDMI or display port, for example. I just have a couple of other you know, interesting features. Uh, like, for example, you can do picture-in-picture, picture, which is shown here. This is a uh, the, Windows is the Windows desktop resolution of 3840 by 2160 with an unscaled 1920 by 1080p. This is where using a camera HDMI input there uh, but it could be from anything it could be from another computer it could be from a uh, DVD player or whatever you want it to be uh, if you wanted to do picture in picture with that you can scale it and obviously you can move it around to other quadrants of the monitor and then you can also do a picture by picture which you can see here we have two different computers plugged into it I think one of them was HDMI one of them was DisplayPort and uh, if configured correctly you can get 1920 by 2160 out of both of them right so if, if you want to do this you can do this you can have multiple computers running at the same time uh, connected that way and that's that's an interesting feature as well again for a $599 monitor uh, I think in, in in the in the in the article and in the video, I kind of concluded there are three people that are looking at 4K monitors right now. You've got uh, your uh, gamer, you've got your professional um, like productivity user, and you've got your uh, creative professional. I guess I would say um, for a creative professional, this monitor is probably not going to be a great choice, uh, if, especially if you depend on color accuracy. And, you know, maybe you are in a multi-user environment, right, where people are coming looking over your shoulders uh, and they need to, like, you know, you're collaborating on stuff. Not having an IPS or IGZO display might be troublesome there. Now, if, if you're comfortable with the color shifting issues, then, you know, being able to do professional development at that resolution is pretty awesome. So consider that. Uh, for productivity people, people who deal with spreadsheets almost exclusively, I imagine Jeremy likes to do this sometimes where he just, just, just wants to see as many Excel rows and columns as he possibly can. 
Is that right? Thank you for bringing back the memories of today, Ryan. <laughs> then uh, at 4K, if you want to see a whole bunch of Excel uh, cells really, really tiny, you can do that with a 4K panel. Uh, for gamers, you know, this is a, a great display, I think. You can, you can adjust the angle and, and slide it around so you can, you can see it at the best possible lighting conditions with as little color shift as you can. The problem, obviously, there is you need to have the horsepower to really push it, right? So you need to have at least a 780 Ti, at least a 290 or 290X, probably a couple of those if you really, really, really want to get, um, you know, games like Metro and Crisis and Battlefield running at 4k resolution uh you know with with high image quality settings now if you don't have that kind of horsepower the good news is because it's a single stream monitor you can run it at 25 by 14 or 19 by 10 and it will still look pretty good right it's it's obviously scaling it but you can run it at 19 by 10 you know if you want to play crisis 3 but you only have a 770 or 780 and you know, you'd rather run it at certain image quality settings rather than a super high resolution. You can still do that, whereas you couldn't really easily do that with the other monitor. So uh, go check out the video. Go check out the review. Uh, I might add an update here that it's now $50. It's, it's, it's almost $100 cheaper than when I wrote this article. Um, Asus will have their version of this monitor coming out in the not-too-distant future, so maybe it's worth waiting for that. Um, there's, I think we'll have a better stand but the panel, and hopefully you can mount it. Yeah, that would be nice too. But it, from a from a technology standpoint, I think it's going to be identical, right? You're going to look at the same panel, same scaler, um, probably the same kind of base feature set with PIP and picture by picture. So very impressed with uh, with what Samsung has done on this. Uh, let's move on. We're going to talk to Mori again. Bring Mori back into the fold. He had another article go up today. Is today the 14th? It is. Uh, the cooling capacity in a multi-block liquid cooling loop. And uh, I'm going to let him talk about this. What what particular device was being tested or compared in this story, Maury? Okay, for this story, basically what we were doing was we were comparing or we were trying to figure out you know, what the capacity of uh, several of the previously reviewed coolers were. Specifically, we tested the Coolance EXT440CU and the Cooler Master Glacier 240L. Um, Asus was kind enough to uh, to uh, let let us use a Poseidon GTX 780 for the uh, for for this testing as well, and we did a review on that uh, about a month ago, I think. Yep. Uh, but basically, what we did, we chose both of those coolers because both of those coolers were were expandable. The the cooler mat, well, you know, the coolants, of course, you know, it's just basically a, a pump and a radiator uh, in in the box. And the glacier actually has fill and um, uh, f- basically has a fill port on it. They can you can dump the liquid out and and put it back in. And uh, all of the connections are removable on the on the glacier. So it's meant to be expanded as well. So what we did was we did two two rounds of tests, or we actually did three rounds of testing. We did CPU only, we did this uh, GPU only, and we did the GPU and CPU in series. Interesting. Okay. And then compared them all, and uh, you know, and, and this was this kind of came out of you know when we did the coolants uh, review, several users and and actually the, our coolants rep had said, oh well, you know, you throw more wattage at it, the coolants unit can. You know, it should scale better than most units because it can handle 
XYZ heat load. All right. What we found was that both of them could handle. You know, we didn't we didn't have any um, what throttling when when we did uh, when we did the testing. We and uh, for the for the stress testing, we use uh, Ada sixty four and we use Furmark, which both are very good at, at, at heating up the GPU and, and CPUs. Um, what we found was the um, both of them could handle it, but the glacier actually handled the load a lot better. Um, Interesting. You know, the, the glacier temperatures were a lot lower, and um, you know, and actually scaled better than the cool ends. Uh, what I'm thinking, my thoughts on that are that the glacier scaled better because it's, it has a bigger radiator. The cool ends radiator is only a one. It's either 120 or 140 millimeter radiator. I don't know. I don't remember off the top of my head. Um, but the glacier is actually a two by 120 radiator, so it has. It probably doesn't have uh, t- uh, twice the uh, twice the cooling capacity, or, or twice the. Um, uh, shoot, I'm, I'm sorry. It doesn't have uh, twice the. Um, Surface area of oh, of the uh, of the of the Coolance's radiator, but it has um, at least one point five or more times the the uh, huh. the the, um, the uh, shoot surface area, which translates into more cool uh, cool uh, more cooling power because you're able to cool cool more coolant as it goes through the radiator, right. and that's really how these things are expected to scale. Um, so it was, it was just an interesting, you know, it was, it was an interesting test. I mean, I have some, you know, uh, I have some uh, on the first page of some flow diagrams on, you know, and, and those flow diagrams are not meant to be the, you know, the uh, end all be all of of how you should set up your water loop, but it's more how these all in one coolers set up the loops. This you know? this so, is really the only all in one cooler that I know of that has that fill capability. Right. Yeah. Yes, that's true. Yeah, the Cooler Master Glacier is one of the only ones. Um, they uh, they announced it. How, what this? How? Where this came about out of? Um, in uh, at Com- uh, not Computex, the, uh, the the one at the beginning of the year. CES. Uh, CES. Yep. It came out of there. They had announced a cooler um, that they were that was they were considering expa- uh, expandable. Right. So we asked them about that, and they sent us a glacier, and it's expandable as well. So you know that that kind of came out of this. Now in the future. Any, um, we're going to integrate uh, inline GPU testing with any cooler reviews or any cooler reviews that I do that that are expandable. Like you know, if we get an excess excess PC kit or whatever. So um, just as another data point, I I I was really impressed by that 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 the cooler master unit was able to perform as well as it did with that added component on there. Interesting. Yeah, I was I was very surprised about that too. I mean, I expected the cool ass to really really perform. Better than it did. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, the Cooler Master also is an all-copper radiator, uh, so you know that that helps, um, and it's it's got a it's got a nice pump in it too. All right. Well, if you guys want to check out all the detail on that, Maury has that review posted live as well. Uh, cooling capacity in a multi-block liquid cooling loop. A uh, quick mention here before we move on to some news stories. If you missed our Z97 motherboard live stream last, was it Wednesday, Ken? Thursday. It was Thursday because it was after our podcast recording last week uh, where we had JJ from Asus come out and talked all about um, the mainstream series of boards and all the features it implemented in the new BIOS technology, UEFI technology, you know, and uh, the software, the auto-tuning, the five-way optimization, 
things like that, the Keybot technology and the ROG boards, the Tough Series boards, the Workstation Series boards. We literally streamed uh, for five hours and nine minutes? Yes. For five hours and nine minutes that day, talking only about motherboards. We had a couple of breaks in there as we shifted systems around. Uh, but we did not take a lunch break or in the middle of anything. So five hours did, and did, nine minutes. Did you get like the, the five-pound bag of Depends for the both of you? Uh, I don't think I ever used the restroom that whole time. Now that I think about it, I should you have had those. You're just drinking up water then. Stains, aren't you? I, I, I guess. I don't. That's weird. I never even thought about it. Maybe, maybe I did. You know, we, we walk. You got to be careful though, because when we're doing those live streams, we're using uh, lavalier mics and wireless mic packs. So you got to make sure you mute it before you walk around in the office and do anything, whether it be going to the restroom or anything else. I'll just say. Uh, but if you miss the live stream, you miss out on your opportunity to win a couple of free motherboards, which we are sending out this week. But we are uh, we do have the video on demand for you to watch again uh, or i guess again if you want to relive all five hours you can do that because the information there is actually pretty good i know it sounds like a ton of a, a ton of, of video but it's actually really 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 good uh we have a video here that covers the mainstream motherboards from the z97a through the z97 deluxe uh then we have a separate video that looks at like motherboard overclocking feature demonstrations uh, we have one that looks at the ROG line, Republic of Gamers line, specifically with some of its demonstrations, like the Keybot, which I think is really cool, which is a little IC on the back of the motherboard that intercepts a single USB port, intercepts keyboard commands from it before passing it on to the rest of the system. So you can do stuff like hit a specific button when your computer is off, and it will automatically boot into the BIOS, UEFI. I keep doing that. Uh, JJ's going to be mad. Uh, Interesting things like that. What was what were some of the other things that they they talked about? You could just you could assign different keys to do different functions, uh, and you could easily turn it on and off in Windows if other software had access to those keys. Uh, it was it was pretty cool stuff. And then we also looked at the Tough series, which includes the uh, Griffin and the Sabertooth. and also we had the Workstation series, also known as the Z97WS motherboards. So uh, you know those last two are twenty minutes apiece. The other ones are around an hour long you know you don't have to watch it all at once span it over a few days i understand if you need to space out your jj time because his the amount of information that he puts forth is uh immense it's dense but it's all good it's all interesting information so check that out posted that today the asus z97 motherboard extravaganza with an exclamation point that's how you know we're serious videos covering mainstream and all the other series so uh give that a look now josh me let's talk about amd's core technology update presentation we kind of touched on this last week but you were still uh compiling your thoughts and figuring out what you wanted to do here so give me a somewhat brief because i want people to go to the store i want people to go to the website because that's that's how we make our money go to the website everybody and read josh's articles uh but what did we learn about x86 or arm or both or what in the hell is going on uh, at that company now? That's a good question. <clears throat> and I have to apologize because my, I think my latency has, in fact, gotten worse from you guys. So if you want to say something to me, you're going to have to yell really loud and really long. Okay. And maybe I'll stop. All right. So anyway, I wasn't expecting a whole lot from uh, this this presentation, I thought we'd talk more about Kaveri, upcoming Kaveri Mobile, maybe some excavator stuff. 
And, uh, you know, it, it surprised me. They gave us a lot more information than I was expecting. They didn't go into as many details as obviously we would want. But it's a couple of years down the line of, of the products that they're talking about. And so we're going to hear more as these get closer. So uh, 2014, the big thing, of course, is Beeman Mullins. We've talked about that uh, a while back. Uh, they're, they're a lot more power efficient. They're clocking them up higher. And uh, these are, you know, low-power products that will not have a huge impact on uh, on the desktop, but it will give them some better ammunition for the tablet market and the ultra-portable. Um, what was the big presentation was the Seattle chip, which is AMD's first ARM-based server chip. It's eight ARM Cortex-A57 cores, Clocked it around two gigahertz. They didn't want to go into big details. Uh, it's it's got onboard memory controller. Uh, it 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 actually has a a significant I/O portion. It's something like four USB 3.0 ports, uh, six SATA G or eight SATA G ports. Can't remember which, and also two 10 gigabit Ethernet connections uh, Man, just on those. this one piece of silicon. What was that? I said, man, I would love to have the 10 giggy connections on there. We, we actually talked with JJ. Uh, one of the questions we got in the chat during that stream was, well, how come you don't integrate something like that? And I think he said that was like a $200 controller add-on for motherboards. So it seems a little – it's probably a bad idea to yeah, double yeah. the price of a retail motherboard for Yeah, that. and then I think that the uh, the big thing is what the, the cables that they use, uh, they're a little expensive still per foot or meter depending on where you're from. But still, it's a it's a nice outlay of cash uh, for these products. So yeah, uh, they they showed that running a, a couple of programs, some web serving, video serving. Uh, it seems to do fine. They're excited about it. Uh, but it's it's just basically they licensed the A57 core from ARM. Now 2015 is going to be a little bit more interesting. Uh, they've 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 gone through the A57 with a fine tooth comb. Uh, they've increased performance. They say decreased power consumption. You know, made it more their own, uh, and and you know, done some interesting things with it. And uh, they talked about Skybridge. Skybridge is a technology that they are implementing in both ARM and x86 processors to utilize the same infrastructure. So the same socket motherboards. Obviously, there's going to be some. Differences in the BIOS. I don't know if they're going to have, you know, one big UEFI uh, that will, you know, figure out which processor on board and, and implement all the special features and functionality, uh, or if it's just, you know, really a unified set. But still, it will use the same pinout. Uh, each of the chips will have identical I/O, memory controllers, whatnot. So that's a, it's a big and interesting thing. Uh, these look like they're going to be low-power products in 2015 that will utilize this. It looks like it's going to be an extension of the AM1 socket-type huh. uh, infrastructure. Did you say something or just cough? I, I said, huh. Huh. But continue. I'm sorry. I forgot about the latency issue. I won't interrupt anymore. Go ahead. Whatever. You should interrupt <laughs> because my throat's getting a little dry. Have a drink, uh, but so. anyway, so that's that's kind of be going to be the big push. Uh, they didn't talk about excavator. They didn't talk about 
uh, the APUs that will be coming out at the higher TDP x86 products uh, that we expect to see in 2015. But they did go on to 2016. They had Jim Keller come up. He he did some some flexing for everyone. He sat very sullen and menacing looking. And uh, as as Scott Watson said, he <laughs> he looked a lot like Kevin Sorbo uh, up on stage, and he was going to destroy all the other CTOs that uh, <laughs> dared to talk to him. Uh, but he's a smart guy. He had been with uh, what DEC before AMD. Then AMD acquired a lot of the uh, the, the digital the DEC alpha guys. Uh, he was a lot of the brain trust behind the Athlon and the Athlon 64. He left before the Athlon 64 was released, if I remember correctly. Spent some time at Apple, and now somehow AMD got him back on board, and he's looking like he's going to do some interesting things. So they're designing an ARM, a new, from the ground up, 64-bit ARM core called, well, the K10 is the code name. K12. Sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, K10 was already a thing. K10 is a while back. It wasn't so good. But anyway, uh, yeah, K12. So that's going to be their, their new. They licensed the ISA from ARM. Um, instead of just licensing individual cores, they're going to make it their own. It's going to be apparently interesting. And, uh, you know, if AMD has, you know, they've got a lot of experience over the past 35, 40 years of designing processors and, well, licensing from Intel from, for, for quite some time. Uh, they did develop their own risk-based processor in the mid-'80s that sold through, like, 1997, then they stopped that. But uh, it's going to be a, a big change for them to really go into the ARM uh, architecture and that infrastructure and provide parts. And the, the kind of big bombshell that was dropped was that there will be a brand new x86 core. It doesn't look like it's going to be based on the bulldozer architecture that we've seen with Bulldozer, Vichera, uh, what now, Steamroller, and then Excavator next year. So it's going to be a clean sheet design that, uh, you know, Jim Killer says is is going to really... Uh, utilize the the knowledge and expertise AMD has in you know not just you know low power but able to clock things up and uh, really start to implement structures that will give them better IPC per watt than what we have seen previously. They didn't go into a whole lot of detail, but those are the things we know. I go into a bit more detail in the article. I know I'm talking really really fast. But it's because I'm afraid somebody's going to interrupt me about five seconds too late. <laughs> no. No. Uh, so this was, this was like, I think to almost everybody, an entirely kind of shocking development. Um, going down the route of designing your own arm while also announcing the new x86. Do you think AMD as a company has the resources or capability to manage both of these developments competently? I think so, because if you really look at the product space that they are aiming at, they've essentially discarded the high-end desktop. I mean, there's, there's not going to be anything that will compete with, you know, Intel's 4770, the 4790, um, 
what the the Haswell E that will be coming out sometime in the future. Right. Uh, they're they're sticking with FM two plus, which has a max uh, TDP of what a hundred watts uh, for that architecture. We're not going to see another APU come out that's not Kaveri based until next year, and that will be, of course, Excavator. And initially, those products look to be twenty eight nanometer as well. So you're not going to get any real performance increase from these parts. I mean, yeah, I mean, you're going to get better IPC. It's a more tuned architecture, but it's still going to be a 95-watt, 90-watt, and uh, you're not going to see any real huge increases over what we see currently with Kaveri, especially in graphics, because they can only you know shove so many uh, stream units in the die size that they feel is economical and, and something they can sustain. Uh, their Opterons, they're all going to be based on pile driver cores for through 2015. Uh, they're trying to push some HSA stuff in the server. And uh, again, those are going to be Kaveri based and eventually excavator based. based. And we haven't really seen any of that yet. So, I mean, Intel owns the mid-range performance desktop and server, and AMD is just ignoring that. And so they're working now on getting into the ARM fold, and instead of having Intel to to compete with, which has been around again as long as they have and is the 800-pound gorilla in the semiconductor industry, they're competing with Qualcomm, NVIDIA, Samsung, uh, MediaTek, all these other guys where... After so many years of competing with Intel, these guys just don't seem to be the same class of competition. Not to take anything away from those companies uh, when it comes to processors. They all have solid products, but they all kind of beat each other up, but they're on the same level. Intel is is just, you know, we're talking $12 billion in revenue versus AMD's eh, $1.5 yeah, it's 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 a pretty significant difference in between the two. And I think AMD will do well in the ARM space. They're going to bring a lot of new ideas. They they've got HSA behind them. They they have a product that is shipping mm-hmm. that supports HSA. Nobody else in the world, That's even though, true. you know, there's a bunch of people in the HSA foundation, nobody else is shipping anything quite like that. So, I think that they're 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 just moving away from just directly competing with Intel and trying to find their own space in the industry. And that's a good thing because Intel's an awful hard company to compete directly against because they'll just yeah. push you in a corner and sit on you. Like the fat guy on the playground. Yes. We're very, both very interesting very... stuff. Very interesting stuff. By the way, your latency seems to have proved, improved. Really? Really? What? Oh, oh okay, well, that's oh, good. No. Okay, yeah. All right, so uh, we're gonna we're gonna jump into some news stories. Um, uh, I guess we'll go ahead and do that here. Let's see. Uh, let's. We already talked about the AMD Optron server processors. Uh, what do we know about the AMD allegedly preparing new mobile Kaveri APUs, the flagship FX seventy six hundred P? Anything interesting in this? I mean, is it just taking the Kaveri architecture, putting it in the mobile space where it really should be all the time, or to begin with? Jeremy, Josh, anybody? Okay, I guess I'll 
take this one. Hopefully, I'm not over-talking Jeremy because he's already went into a five-minute diatribe and I'm behind. Your latency is fine. It's good. Go ahead. Oh, that's good to hear. Uh, you know, AMD said some time ago, the FX moniker is not dead. We will be releasing more FX products. And there was great rejoicing from all the AMD fans thinking that there was going to be another high-end product that will hopefully compete with Intel at the high end. Mm. But no, no, the FX is, <laughs> is it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a mobile processor. It's 35 watts, I think, what? or is it a 45-watt version? I but, don't, um, what, why? 35. There's a ULV and a, there's a standard voltage and an ultra-low voltage FX part. And the FX7600P is the standard voltage. I don't know what the P stands for necessarily yet, uh, but the FX seventy five hundred, according to this leaked kind of lineup here, is you know five hundred twelve GPU cores, four CPU cores. This is essentially the desktop version of the processor, just lower frequency on both the CPU and GPU. Thirty five watts. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, I guess I'll kick in because I, I heard you breaking up. And you know what? These latency jokes are never going to get old for me. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, er, okay, anyway. Mm, mm, mm. I'm just, yeah, I mean, I'm just... well, Kaveri was designed from the get-go to be pretty far power efficient. As, you know, looking at the desktop processors, they're 95-watt TDP, and they're not clocked all that high. Uh, the GPU is, you know, it's decent, but it's less than what we saw with the 6800. Uh, the, the, the CPU core, it's clocked significantly lower than uh, the 6800K. But when you start taking that down in clock speed, it improves dramatically in overall power efficiency. And so... Yeah, they can actually have decently performing parts at the 17-watt and the 35-watt TDPs that are a lot more competitive with what, you know, even Intel has. And, uh, you know, hopefully they can get some market share there and, and keep afloat and provide some competition around the uh, the marketplace. So you kind of have to look at the design of Kaveri and how they decided to implement that on... Global Foundries and well TSMC's. TSMC, yeah. <sighs> All right. Um, well, you, well, you broke up a little bit there again, but uh, I, I think I think we'll, we'll move on. Like the okay, I think right. we'll know more about this very soon. And for people who were excited about the FX line being around still. You're probably not excited anymore. Uh, but maybe something that you could be excited about, Jeremy, is. DisplayPort 1.2a in its latest edition. What do we have here? Well, we've got what AMD didn't release when they really should have, and NVIDIA beat them to the market with G-Sync, but they made a mistake. They went very proprietary. They wanted to be able to sell you a doohickey for you to be able to use it on specific monitors. AMD made a much smarter move, at least in my opinion, and DisplayPort 1.2a is now going to support FreeSync. Or, well, that's as not they what they call, are going to call it, Active Sync. Okay. So this is going to be the variable refresh rate, uh, and it will be supported on pretty much any 
DisplayPort connection that's going to support 1.2. I, it's not going to be instantly available. No. Uh, you've got to wait for the manufacturer of the, of the scalers and the control chips to actually integrate it. But it's not going to be a doohickey stuck to the back of your monitor. It's not going to be something you have to go out and buy. It's going to be a feature on your monitor, which you can probably enable or disable. And as far as video cards are concerned, it's probably just going to be a driver update. It's not going yeah. to be that hard to implement from that side of it. But this will now mean that as fast as your GPU can spit out frames, your monitor will be more than happy to show them. Who needs VSync anymore? Hey, you, do, do you think that AMD, when they heard all this news, that all the employees went out front of the place, did up their lighters, and started yelling free sync? I'm going to go with no. I'm going to go with no. Hopefully they're not. Are you guys not Leonard Skinner fans? Probably. I bet they did. Uh, um, but we'll see. Uh, so here's, what's, here's what I think is interesting about this. Uh, adaptive sync, as they're calling it, is going to be in GP1.2a. They don't have scalers to support it yet. And then you have to have the scalers to be implemented on panels that are then in the, in the refresh cycle and production cycle. So uh, realistically, end of this year would maybe be the first time we see monitors supporting this technology. Yeah, that's reasonable. Um, now, I, I think what I'm supposed to say here is that, well, G-Sync is available today. But in reality, it's not available today. Well, we're supposed to get it next month, aren't we? The first monitor coming out? Yeah. It's, they, if it comes out? Right. The, the problem for NVIDIA at this point is they've had since – when did we first see G-Sync? That was in – it was before CS, right? October. Yeah. It was in October? Yeah, yeah. I went to Montreal. Yeah. Yeah, it was in October. So it was October 2013. We saw G-Sync, and they said, it's going to be available in this Asus panel. We're going to have upgrade kits. You're going to be able to buy the monitor. And it's May now, and that Asus monitor is or was kind of for sale, but only at, like, system builders. And some of them made you buy a system to buy the monitor along with it. And the upgrade kits that they sold, I have no idea how many they sold. Uh and and the problem is for they, they they had this opportunity if they had had product available right we would have continued to be talking about it we would have continued to be promoting about this is such an awesome experience i have that one asus panel sitting down there it's not a great panel right and so i didn't want to use it it's not on our gaming machines. We use higher resolutions than that. It's not on my desktop. I use higher resolutions than that. Uh, and the, and the, it was a TN panel that was was fine but not great. At CES, we saw, what, five different G-Sync monitors announced from LG to Asus to ViewSonic uh, and, you know, 25 by 14, 25 by 14, 120 hertz. This is amazing. That was in January. It's now May. To be fair, they they always said Q2, but I always had kind of been under the assumption, and obviously incorrectly, that it would be very early in Q2, so like the very beginning of April, that these would be released, and they're still not out. So the, the problem that NVIDIA has is they've lost much of their lead, much of their advantage. And now AMD didn't design Adaptive Sync. They probably came to the Visa guys and said, "Here, here's how you should do it. And they looked at it and did it. And there's a possibility that the technology that is in Adaptive Sync and the DisplayPort 1.2 standard, 1.2a standard, won't be as good as what NVIDIA G Sync does. It's possible that they don't implement floors, or they have a ceiling, or they have uh, there, there, there's 
the possibility for an experience difference, right? We, I know what I can get out of an NVIDIA system. I don't yet know what I can get out of the general purpose system yet. So that's still some unknown. But every day that we don't see G-Sync monitors released, NVIDIA is losing whatever advantage they once had. If we see if, – if, you know, if you see a 25 by 14 panel but it's not out until July, that's from now until July for AMD to tell every media person and every gamer about, hey, if you just wait a little bit, you don't have to limit yourself to the NVIDIA ecosystem, right? Which is what G-Sync does. If you buy a G-Sync monitor and you buy into G-Sync, you're forcing yourself to go in the NVIDIA ecosystem, which is what NVIDIA wants. Now, but at the same time, NVIDIA is going to have to support adaptive, adaptive sync sooner or later. Oh, they absolutely so will. So they're going to be competing with themselves. Correct. In it a way. Will, it will be interesting to see what, what happens then. Will they continue to add like new features uh, or some kind of diff- way to differentiate between just the, D- the DP1.2a standard? Because that they can update G-Sync as often as they want. The, the Visa standard is obviously takes quite a bit longer to design and implement. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that happens as the year progresses. But I, I don't feel I don't ever want to say I feel bad for Nvidia, but I, I feel bad knowing that there's this awesome technology that has existed since October, has been productized since October, and almost nobody has it. And everybody that was universally at that event in Montreal that had saw it in person and then tested it later, you know. Anon and Scott and me and Ken here and, and, and Chris Angelini and everybody that saw it was like, this is amazing. This is awesome. And we've just been unable to use it. Like you just don't, you just don't have access to it. You know, it's, and it's, and it's depressing. And now this news muddies the waters even more, right? Now people, now consumers are going to be like, well, if that G-Sync monitor becomes available in June, now they have to think, do I want to buy in now? have the great technology now, or do I believe that an open standard version will be just as good and will allow me to move in and out of graphics card vendors in the future? But isn't that the eternal enthusiast question? It is. Should I buy the shiny stuff now or wait for the shinier it stuff is. that's it, coming out in six months? And it's like if you bought into I mean, how, how long did it take for SLI to be ported to chipsets other than NVIDIA-based chipsets? Quite a while. It took until Intel kicked them out of the chipset market, essentially. Yeah, yeah. I remember. I remember that meeting. I, I forget where we were at. We were in San Jose Convention Center for something. Was it GDC? I think it might have been a GDC back in the day. And the very last day, Nvidia like sends out an email. Please meet us at 4 p.m. at this meeting room. And everybody was really weird. And they said, "We've got an exciting new announcement. We're going to enable SLI on Intel, whatever it was at the time, X58, maybe." 48 something chipsets and everyone was like yeah finally great yeah great news like oh also because you're not gonna be making any more chipsets gotcha yay pci express yeah exactly <laughs> yeah um let's moving on let's move on nvidia titan z missed its release date uh they did come up on stage and by they i mean nvidia ceo jensen wong and talked about the uh, Titan Z and that it was be available in, did he say April? He had a specific month. Um, the card was expected to be available on May 8th, but has yet to surface. NVIDIA has yet to comment on the situation. Many question whether it ever will. I'm sure it will eventually. Uh, you can see here as Scott has taken a picture of the Titan Z and put a question mark on it. Very inquisitive. 
very It's so disappointing because we were all going to run out and buy one the first day, weren't we? Oh, for $3,000. No, absolutely. three grand? You got to wonder how much the release of the R9 295X2 kind of screwed up NVIDIA's plans for the Titan Z. Um, you know, being half the price, two more powerful GPUs, kind of equally powerful, depending on how you look at it. But they were able to push probably more power to their card. They were willing to push more power through their card. <laughs> Than what Nvidia was doing, they had Nvidia had already announced their price, so they can't like come in after the fact and lower theirs to fifteen hundred dollars and not people know immediately why they're doing it. Uh, Turnabout is fair play; they did it to the red team not too oh, long yeah. ago. No, no, I I, I still think they're going to release this card. I I think it will be curious to see what angle they take with it. Are they going to go into the gaming segment? Are they going to go stay with the professional development uh, professional side? Will they release a version? Titan Z Gaming that is um, doesn't have the double precision floating capability and sell it for fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah, the seven ninety. Ken says maybe they call it that. Um, that I think makes the most sense, but I think it it puts egg on their face and in particular Jensen's face for you know having to change things so quickly because of their competitor, the competitor that they like to pretend they can ignore indefinitely which they they do sometimes and sometimes they can't so uh we'll see what happens computex is right around the corner i don't know if that has if they'll if they'll do anything with that but uh titan z is a thing i don't know uh i got a crowbar in the mail did you guys get a fluorescent green crowbar anybody else no no no. Oh, you want me to send you my crowbar? You get all the cool things. I get all the hey, cool, cool things. crowbars are handy. You got cake. Just, you got cake just, for just, God's uh, sake. Just save it, save it for QuakeCon and beat Josh with it. Hmm. All right. All right. I'll bring it as security. I'll just carry it with me over my shoulder. I'm sure the hotel staff would really appreciate that. Um, <laughs> That's a crowbar from Kentucky. I got a crowbar last week that said it was painted fluorescent green, NVIDIA green, and uh, etched on it, it said, what would Gordon do? And it has a Half-Life 2 logo, and it has a Shield logo. It didn't take a large jump to come to the conclusion that Half-Life 2 was going to be released on Shield, and it was... Is it out now? Yeah. Yeah, as of Tuesday. It was out on Tuesday. Ken was actually playing it today. How did it play? It played fine. The loading seems to take forever, but I remember that happening on the PC version. So maybe that's Half-Life, just original Half Life Two load times being an old. original source engine issue. But yeah, can you got to upgrade that forty six you have? It doesn't cut it anymore on the shield. Oh. No, I mean on his base computer. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, is it? Are they both nine ninety nine or are they nine ninety nine together? Uh, they're both individually nine ninety nine. Yeah, it's a little bit steep, I think, for it's a games steep of this age. Portal, considering how short it is. Yeah, two thousand four for uh, Half Life Two. <coughs> two thousand four. That would be what? Let's if I do my math. One, two, three. Ten, ten years ago. Ten year old game. How many episodes ago was that? <laughs> One, <laughs> two and a half. Oh. Yeah, okay. So those are out. They're actually really interesting. I think they're really good gaming experiences. Ken's play, Ken, you played through all the way through Portal, right? Yeah, it was awesome. There, I mean, it was... It was a triumph? It was a huge success. Are you making a note here? <laughs> huge success. Uh, oh. Now you just took all the wind out of any review I'd ever write. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, it was about the same as playing Portal with a controller, and Portal controls pretty well with the controller, so... Yeah. Yeah. So it's important to note that it's running on the Shield, which is Android. These are native Android versions. These aren't emulated. You're not playing it through GameStream or anything like that. And I think that's pretty cool. And it's 
what NVIDIA was kind of promising with Tegra K1, right? That it would be able to play like full OpenGL games. You wouldn't have to do any of this kind of porting or very minimal porting uh, for devices based on Tegra K1. I'm still assuming we'll see a shield based on Tegra K1. That still makes sense. Uh, so maybe we'll see more of this. And I think this is what makes shield an interesting device. It's not game streaming. That's cool. It's not Android gaming with mostly crappy Android games with a really nice controller. It's new experiences. What can you do bringing these games here? I'd be curious to know what the relationship was uh, for NVIDIA and Valve in bringing these out. Who paid? How much did they have to pay? I think is a better question. I want to guess that NVIDIA did all of the work porting it and they just said, eh, pay us some royalties. Yeah, probably. I don't care because they're porting good games to Android. I was, try, I was trying to think of another source game that could. You're going to play it on your phone. Left for Dead. Yeah, Left for Dead would be fun. The original Left for Dead on it would be cool. You do multiplayer with with other people with shields. Pro- probably, maybe. That I mean, I mean you could. More I mean, you definitely could. It'd be more. Like, I was thinking. I was trying to debate if you'd be able to play against PC users, but mm. maybe, maybe not. I don't know. You were going to say something, Jeremy. I was just going to ask if Josh was looking forward to playing with it on his new phone. That he also probably picked up within the last 100 episodes. Oh, that's right. Josh moved in the world of cell phones in the last 100 episodes. Yeah, yeah. so did I, kicking and screaming the whole way. It's Smartphones. Okay. It's okay. You guys, you'll, you'll be all right. I still have a BlackBerry, so it doesn't really count. <laughs> that's right. It doesn't even really count as a smartphone. Uh, Noctua announced new fans. Uh, they're gray. They're, they're not brown. They're not brown. It's amazing. Right. The box still has that brown. It has brown edges to it, just so you know what brand you're dealing with here. Uh, PWM, three-pin versions. They'll, PWM and three-pin versions. P14, S12B, B9, and R8. Those are very variant model numbers for fans in the same line. In a gray and darker gray color scheme, they all, oh, look, Ken, brown. They and they're brand. they're actually they're actually higher performance than their normal fans. Also, they're uh, they're actually I think they said between two and three thousand RPM. Yep. So you'll get quite a bit. They're a bit louder, and you'll get quite a bit more static pressure out of them. So uh, for water cooling and for air cooling, they're probably a pretty good pick. Oh, so that's what you need those high amp uh, fan headers for you on the motherboard from last month or last week. <laughs> oh yes, yeah, the sir. one ampers. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man! Um, so there's that. I guess that's it. Is that it for the week? I think that's all the news and stuff we had. It's a lot of stuff. Plus, it's our 300th episode, and we have a new set. But before we end the show, let's get into our hardware, software picks of the week. Um, we have. I'm I'm not usually the one that like has these weird software tools that I like to bring up and suggest, but this one was actually recommended to me by uh, Burke at Twit as a useful tool for PC users. So there's a software called PushBullet. And what it does is it allows you to push information from your phone to your computers, back and forth, to any of your devices. Um, they just released a Windows application beta. Uh, and, and basically what, what you can do is if you're on a website, it's a URL or something or text, you can just uh, – you have a Chrome plugin or a Firefox plugin. You select the item. 
you say, you know, push to and bring up a list of devices. You can hit all devices or one phone, one tablet, and it will push that URL to it <clears throat> or it'll push the file to it. Uh, it'll push, you know, whatever information that you, that you can send through that way. You can also go the other way, right? Send it from your phone to your desktop. You get something, uh, a link and you go, well, I want to, I want to write I want to reply to this, but I, I want to do it from my laptop where I have a, you know, a full-size keyboard, push it, and it will be there waiting for you when you get back to your laptop, that notification. With the desktop app, um, each computer is now its own device. If you have a Chrome plugin, it's to Chrome, right? So all Chrome instances would see it. But with computers, uh, with the Windows app, you can see each computer individually. And that's kind of a nice little uh, tweak on what they were doing right you can so you can send individual messages to individual computers or you can right click on any file and easily send it to another device or another computer or another phone so if you want to send a picture you want to send anything you can do that i think the file size limits 25 megabytes right now uh they're temporary and they'll be much more powerful according to this uh it already supports pushing and receiving everything that the website apps and browser extensions do so you know addresses that integrate with google maps or folders or dropbox links or or any of that kind of stuff is pretty cool. And then also, kind of as a sidebar, what it can do is you can have it monitor in Android, you can have it monitor all your notifications and duplicate them to your browser. So if you want to get your notifications from Twitter or Facebook or email or MMS or you know texts, they will show up in your Chrome browser's notifications there. And then you can disable them individually if you want. Like you can say, ah, you know, don't show me the email app uh, notifications because I already get my email notifications through Gmail, right? So you can tweak them that way. And it's a free application. It's really cool so far uh, just in terms of being able to share data. And you can actually share to other people as well. So if you have uh, other friends that use Pushbullet, you can send them links or uh, messages or files that way as well. So uh, that is at, uh, make sure I get the URL right, pushbullet.com. You can check that out. Does it work with WinRT? I don't think so. WinRT is a thing? Is that a thing still? Um, oh, yeah. I get you. Yeah, you were just pulling a joke on me. Oh, no, but I still think you're probably right, unfortunately. All right. Uh, what do you got for us, Jeremy? Uh, well, you know, as much as I'd hate to contradict George R.R. R. Martin, WordPerfect 5.1 is a much better word editor for DOS. Uh, WordStar 4.0, <laughs> man, that's just pushing it. Yeah. But for something a little more recent. Hey, you know what? You uh, use what you're familiar with. Yeah. Okay. Mr. Latency? Yeah, it's horrific. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, to go with uh, something a little bit more recent, uh, Microsoft can't seem to figure out what to do with Connects. The rest of the world has no problem figuring out what to do with Connects. A guy got three of them together with an Oculus Riff and essentially built what Gizmodo is perhaps exaggerating a little bit when they see it, say it's a holodeck. But you set those Connects up in a room and you've now got a room that you can wander around in with your Oculus Rift providing the visuals. And you'll be in the game with hands and arms and everything because the three Connects actually have enough resolution to be able to show you. So he went for a zombie game. There, there is no pretty much limits to this. But I'm also thinking it's going to be a little bit cheaper to deal with than the CyberEarth Virtualizer that uh, was my pick a couple of months back, which was sort of the 
Jolly Jumper for adults with the, the running trackpad. They were playing Skyrim and a couple other games in it uh, with Wiimotes. And that was how you were tracking the hands. This kind of looks interesting. And honestly, I mean, I haven't seen the project yet. I'm sure he will be posting it up in the not-too-distant future. But that's cool. a lot of fun with three connects and an Oculus Rift, isn't it? Yeah, and now that you can buy Xbox Ones without a Connect. I don't know how this relates. Maybe they'll sell them. Yeah, that's what I mean. Microsoft can't figure out oh, what that's to do right. with them. They will have to sell, sell else them can. individually now, won't they? Well, I guess they don't have they to. Better. They probably will. They probably will. All right. Josh, Josh are you Have ready? you given me enough lead time? Yeah, go ahead. What? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go oh, ahead. Thanks. Josh, okay. go ahead. Uh, anyway, now that uh, nobody is talking about Bitcoin and Dogecoin and uh, Freecoin, well, there's no such thing as Freecoin, but anyway... Prices on AMD parts have gone down. You can get a brand new R9 280, not a 280X, but for around 259 and if you actually fill out the paperwork, 249 And uh, these are solid products. Three gigs of memory and pretty fast, even though it is a, an older architecture as compared to, like, Hawaii and the 260X. Doesn't have those niceties like True Audio or the uh, XDMI type. Uh, <clears throat> no DMA, right? Yeah, DMA. Uh, for Crossfire, uh, they're still solid cards for the price. So, I agree. This is essentially the HD seventy nine fifty, right? Sure. If yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Um, well, hold on. Let me get Maury's link here. Maury, you are last but not least. Wait a minute. Maury, your link goes to the same place. Well, nope. I got it. Never mind. What okay. is your pick, Maury? My pick is memory. I've just got some uh, sweet memory yes. in from Corsair for Z97 testing. It's uh, their Vengeance Pro 2400. That looks nice. Megahertz RAM. Yeah, it's it's... It's very nice. I mean, it's got a cast latency of 11, but that's not that big a deal, you know, when you're going that fast. Um, so, you know, we'll be integrating that into our reviews in the near future. Do you think, uh, do you think it is a coincidence that they have uh, red, blue-gray, and then this gold that looks very familiar to that Asus uh, Z97 gold color? No, I don't think it's a coincidence. They, uh, <laughs> they want to keep up with the times, you know. I mean, red, red. Most it's it's kind of funny because red. Most of the uh, motherboard manufacturers are going with black and red boards now. You got MSI one, you got Gigabit one, Asus Rogs, of course, the granddaddy of that. I'm sure ECS will have some kind of golden red thing. <laughs> we'll yeah, but as long as it's got the dust protector, that's all I really care about from an ECS board. Well, Asus has one now too. Under uh, on. Do they what have a there? Do they have a video that shows the dust protector in action? Now, I'm sure if you ask JJ, he'd make one though, because their okay. saber tooth board, the, the it actually reverses spin on the fans, so that it blows the dust out of the uh, armor. <laughs> nice. That's yeah. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. We'll make this happen, or we can do the video our damn selves. Get a bunch I was of disappointed dust. you didn't spill baby powder all over one of the boards when you and JJ were doing those five hours of reviews. Whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> Easy on the baby powder. References. They used already. oil, okay, mm. Jeremy. Come on, yeah. Come yeah. on, he's in Kentucky. What? A, what do you think he uses? Mm-hmm. 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 All right, everybody. That is going to round out our three hundredth 
podcast episode. And the last episode. We got to set that, so we're out. We're done. We're going to... Sailing it as is. Burn the place to the ground. My Wednesdays are going to be a lot easier from here on out. Yeah. Well, if your latency doesn't pick up, it might be anyway. It could be. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, we, oh, somebody says we got to spend two more hours to waste time until Alan gets here. But I think I'll be home asleep by then. Uh Thank you, everybody, for joining us. If you want to share the show, which we would really, really, really appreciate, it's pcper.com slash podcast. If you want to watch us live, pcper.com slash live on Wednesdays at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. And, of course, you can find us at pcper.com. All the stories and reviews we talked about this week are on the website. We want you to go to the website, view the website, look at the pages, comment on the stories. We're always there making sure that we are listening to what you all have to say and what you offer for us uh i guess that's gonna be it everybody we'll be back next wednesday actually next wednesday we'll also have another super special live stream now that i think about it so uh you will probably want to go to pcper.com slash subscribe and sign up for notifications of that it will be before the podcast during the day so sign up for that we'll have alan here probably for the podcast maybe maybe in this seat hold on i forgot i gotta Oh, now you can't see it. But this phone, the phone is there. It represents Alan. Um, but we'll be back next week. More stuff to talk about with our 301st podcast episode. 301. I'm Ryan Schraub. I'm Jeremy Hallstrom. I'm Josh. Walrath. And I'm Maury Teitelman. Actually, more you did. Your video did actually freeze there while you're doing that. No, so you, I know, I know. You, you tempted you did it on purpose. Get you. So we'll see you next week, guys. Thanks. Mm-hmm.